Our second scripture reading is from Acts chapter 2, and uh, when this was going to be Jason Coker, it was going to be verses 1 through 4, but since I'm filling in for Jason, we're going to go ahead and read through verse 12 today. So, um, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene? and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Well, when uh, Jason called last night, after Jason called last night, I looked back in the archives And uh, there's a sermon that I preached on the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday, I know, when we were in Senatobia. And I don't think that I've preached it here. And so I modified it a little bit. I was talking to Corey last night, and he said, well, hasn't your theology changed since 2000? I said, that's why I said I modified it a little bit, Corey. Thank you very much, okay? My goodness. No, you cannot, because you've forgotten. Um... So just think about the scenario. Your friend has picked you up. You get into your car, get into their car. Your friend seems a little bit on edge, but you can't put your finger on it. You were supposed to be going out to eat, but your friend says he forgot something and needs to run by the house. It's like, oh, goodness. You enter the doorway, and as the lights are turned on, a throng of people pour out of the kitchen. Lights are flashing, and the word is echoed from their mouths. Surprise! And so how many of you have ever been surprised in a way like this, okay, been taken to a surprise party or something? How many of you have ever done the surprising? You were the the culprit, so to speak. Oh, more of you have done the surprising than were surprised. Well, you've probably heard it said that everyone loves a good surprise, but everybody does not love a good surprise, okay? And I've told some of you this. Martha does not like a good surprise. She does not like being surprised. I learned this early in our marriage. And, um, I, you know, I, I, after, you know, surprising her and realizing that she wasn't real big on surprises, we talked about it, and she said she likes to anticipate what's going to happen. That's part of the fun is knowing what's coming up and being able to anticipate it. Um, now, you, But we did for your 30th. Didn't we have, like, a Star Wars-themed surprise party down in New Orleans, didn't we? Yeah, 35. 25. It's 25. <laughs> you know, I thought it was like a milestone birthday, and but it's like, you know, Star Wars is kind of dark. 
kind of black, and so it's, it's kind of – I don't know how well it worked, but I thought it was a pretty good surprise. I don't know. So, uh, you know, a lot of people might like surprises, but not necessarily in the church. Church folks don't like surprises. And it wasn't that different way back on the day of Pentecost, but before we get there, I want to go back to our reading in Numbers one of my favorite scripture readings in Numbers. Might, might be my only scripture reading in Numbers, Maxine. And uh, so I'm going to go back and reread it, but I'm going to read it from the message. Okay? Moses went out and told the people what God had said, and he called together 70 of the leaders and had them stand around the tent. God came down in a cloud and spoke to Moses and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 leaders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they didn't continue. It was a one-time event. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would rest on individuals. God would choose which individual was going to have his Spirit rest upon him. And so here it was, it rested upon Moses, but he did some, God did something a little bit unusual here and allowed it to kind of spill over onto 70 that were in the tent, okay? But meanwhile, two men, Eldad and Medad, sounds like a good name for twins to me, had stayed in the camp. They were listed as leaders, but they didn't leave camp to go to the tent. So it's kind of like, you know, they were supposed to be in the tent, but they either were tardy or playing hooky or something. They were not there where they were supposed to be. Still, the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. So here you have the 70. God took some of the Spirit off of Moses and poured it onto the 70, and it's almost like some of it spilled over to the camp where these two were. So the, the 70 in the tent were prophesying, but so were the two that had not come to the tent. And so a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua gets his feathers ruffled and goes to Moses and said, you got to stop them. Moses said, are you jealous for me? Would that all God's people were prophets. And then this is the line here. Would that God would put his spirit on all of them. So it's like, you know, they didn't do what they were supposed to. They weren't part of us in the tent, yet they get to prophesy anyway. It's kind of like that's not fair. They're not where we are. They're not doing what they were supposed to do. Why? And Moses said, you know what? Why are you, why are you being this way? Wouldn't it be just great if the Spirit was on all people? Well, we fast forward to Pentecost, and that's exactly what happened. The word Pentecost, based on the Greek word for 50th, Pentecost was a feast observed 50 days after the Passover. It was at the first Pentecost after the resurrection that we see the coming of the Holy Spirit on the church. And if there is a single word that captures the mood of every person present for that occasion, it would be Surprise! Okay. The early disciples, we see in uh, Acts 1, around 120 of them, had no comprehension of what their lives would be like 
after Jesus had arisen and ascended. In the first chapter of Acts, they still had not given up on the idea of a political Messiah. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now is it going to happen? We're ready. Okay. When Jesus gave them instructions and went up through the clouds, they stood staring at the sky as though there was some kind of mistake. Where'd he go? What's he doing? The angels had to kind of shoo him away. Chapter 1, verse 11, the angel said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking at the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go up into heaven. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come upon them, but he didn't say exactly how this would happen or when it would happen. Back to verses 2 and 3. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from the heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, folks, let's face it. Nobody in their right minds would be sitting in the house if they had anticipated something like tongues of fire coming and resting on each one of them. The crowd that gathered to witness the strange phenomenon were, uh, were also surprised. The, the words used in Acts in these passages, bewildered, amazed, perplexed, astonished, and we're not talking about folks who were ignorant regarding the church. They were devout Jews, people who would have recognized later when Peter was quoting from the prophet Joel. They were religious men and women who looked for the fulfillment of God's promises given through the prophets. They were regular worshipers. They were regular church, church attenders who at this point found themselves asking, what does this mean? Some of them found the pouring out of the Holy Spirit very disturbing. They ridiculed the disciples and even accused them of being drunk. Okay? Now, too bad Peter's not here. Simon Peter says, hey, we're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. We haven't had time to get drunk yet. So it can't be that. Okay? What the Spirit did on Pentecost was entirely unexpected by these people. Later in the chapter, we hear Peter explaining it to them that what the prophet Joel had foretold was coming to pass. That this was all connected with this Jesus of Nazareth. The one called Jesus who himself taught them and did wonders. The one who was crucified and raised up. In verses 32 and 33, we read, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. This brings me to a question for us to ponder. Would we recognize the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at our church? If the Spirit of God himself was poured out on this congregation, would we be able to recognize it? Or would we, like the crowd, be so bent on tradition, so worried about appearance, so caught up in how things look, that we would miss the Holy Spirit, even if tongues of fire landed on our heads? I hope not. 
You see, the crowds were not the only ones who were surprised. The disciples were also surprised about what happened at Pentecost. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he told them he would be going to prepare a place for them and that he would send the Holy Spirit to be their counselor and their teacher. Jesus promised they would do great works in his name because of the Spirit's presence with them. But it's quite clear they did not at that time understand what he was saying. They didn't expect the Spirit to appear the way it did. Thomas at that time asked, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Philip asked to be shown the Father. Another of the twelve asked, how will you show yourself to us and not to the world? They were confused, maybe even afraid of what was coming next. In other words, what the religious people expected to take place did not occur. In spite of their knowledge of the scriptures and in spite of how often they had been in worship, so we find ourselves in good company regardless of what we feel things should be like in the church. The second chapter of Acts demonstrates that the Spirit of God is not limited to human expectations. The Spirit of God is not limited to our expectations. But just because the people were wrong about the coming of the Holy Spirit doesn't turn Pentecost into bad news. On the contrary, Pentecost is good news because God's purpose is not frustrated by our lack of understanding. Think about that. God's purpose is not frustrated by our lack of understanding. Folks, do we, do we realize what kind of freedom comes with that? You see, we really don't have to have it all figured out for the Holy Spirit to work among us. And we should be mighty glad of that. Okay? We don't even have to act like we have it all figured out. We don't have to pretend that we know all the answers. We don't have to make other people outside the church think we know everything. What we do need to do is to be willing to follow when the Spirit leads. And that leads me to some extremely important questions for our small band of believers. What exactly are your expectations for our church? Why do you come here every week? Why do you show up every Sunday? Why do you come to worship with us? Why do you stay for Bible study? Why do you come on Wednesday night? Why do you come to events like we had yesterday? What is your motive for being part of this fellowship? What is my motive? What are our reasons for being here? You know, these are questions that we should all ask ourselves from time to time. And sometimes the Holy Spirit may decide to work differently than what your expectations are, differently than my expectations, maybe differently than anyone's expectations. Surprise. 
I mean, the crowd was more concerned about appearances and tradition. They were surprised. The apostles were more concerned about their earthly kingdoms, and yes, they were surprised. So what's our concern today? Well, what are we not concerned about might be the shorter list. We're concerned about everything. We're concerned about so many things, situations, and sometimes it seems that we allow ourselves to be stopped in our tracks because of our concerns. And it may be precisely at those times when the Holy Spirit chooses to surprise us. We had finally had our end of the school year celebration yesterday. The combo slide and bouncy was ordered. Easton is, is probably better for smaller kids than bigger kids, wasn't it? We'll have to get a taller one next time, okay? But it was ordered, we got it. Food was, food was brought, hot dogs were grilled. Very tasty hot dogs, very good. I ate too many. Board games were displayed, and people played the board games. Some of you were here to do anything that was asked. It's like, just tell me what to do. I'm here. Be glad to do it. We had no idea what might happen. We never know what's going to happen with one of these events. We never know who's going to show up. We never know the conversations that are going to take place. We're completely surprised at what happens every time. And I told somebody yesterday, at the end of every one of these events that we do, when all is said and done and we've cleaned everything up, I always say, I'm really glad we did this. Because we just never know what's going to happen. We had probably 25 to 30 kids yesterday and some parents. And so what happened? One comment that I heard was that it seemed that some of the adults really just enjoyed having people to talk to. They just enjoyed having adult conversation away from the home, away from the kids while they were playing. Just talking with other people. What else happened? The, the games. Particip Folks, I'm convinced that it doesn't matter what we have to do here for somebody. If we just ask them to come, they'll come. Play the games. They ate the hot dogs. And it might even be that Pat has a group of ladies that are going to come together for a sewing class. Really? Who would have thought that? Surprise. Okay? How cool would that be if Pat's up here, you know, on a Wednesday morning with four or five ladies teaching them how to sew? Let us not be surprised by the leading of the Spirit, but let us be willing to follow where the Spirit leads. There's another leading of the Spirit among us. For some time we prayed that we would be able to reach some young folks in this community. I've had more than one church member come up to me over the last few years and say, you know what, our congregation isn't getting any younger. Okay, no, we, we're aging. I don't know if you've noticed it or not. Yes, I have. Okay. So what are we to do about this? We need young folks to be a part of us, to infuse energy into what we're doing. About a year ago, I get this detailed email asking about our church. Very detailed. Many questions. 
and I answered back in detail, answering many questions. That email was from Alicia, not Corey, but Alicia. And I remember saying to some of you, we need to get our children's room ready. We might have a young family with children visiting next Sunday. And that young family turned into Corey, Alicia, Eden, and Winnie. And I think, really? A young family with children getting involved in a small church, it really doesn't offer much in the way of facilities for families. A young couple, both of them feeling called to the ministry, saying, we want to come here. We want to be a part of this fellowship of believers with, with our young folks. Let us not be surprised by the leading of the Spirit, but be willing to follow where the Spirit leads. In the next few minutes, we're going to have a business meeting where we are considering whether to call Corey as our associate pastor. Who would have thought that our church had such an opportunity to be the recipients of the infusion of energy that a couple like Corey and Alicia bring to us, not to mention the energy of Eden and Winnie. And I think I've decided that Winnie has more energy than all of them. Folks, I don't know of many decisions in our short history that I feel are more led by the Holy Spirit than what we are going to do in a few minutes. Let us not be surprised by the leading of the Spirit, but let us be willing to follow where the Spirit leads. Let's pray.